morning, everybody. Welcome to Thy Strong Word. I'm Pastor H.A. Espinosa. We're reading the entire Bible together, chapter by chapter. So cool to be looking at the New Testament again, 1 Corinthians chapter 4. And so, yeah, we're into this, this argument that Paul is building. It's overall, as we've seen, a theme of unity. And now he seems to be focusing in on this idea of, well, so what is an apostle? What is a leader in the church? What, is that, what does that mean? It seems, again, like we're kind of eavesdropping on a conversation that's been going on that seems like some people have been talking about Paul, uh, maybe behind his back, or maybe uh, some questions have come up, perhaps even uh, addressed to Paul himself about his own credentials. So, you know, what does that mean? Uh, how does Paul judge himself is one of the key words today. So thinking about this, uh, you know, church leaders, authority, eh, all, all live questions also today as well. So interesting stuff to be thinking about. And joining us today, we have returning Pastor Doug Nicely, pastor at Jerusalem Lutheran Church in Collinsville, Illinois. Good morning, brother. Good to have you back with us. How are you doing? Good morning, Pastor AJ. I'm doing very well. We're worshiping inside of our building, which is a good advancement in view of all the other problems we have. <laughs> yeah, well, pra- praise God. Praise God. Yes. It's a small church, and uh, we can social distance and wear face masks, and we can pull it off. There you, there you go. Yeah, yeah, no, that's right. I, I, was, uh, I remember talking with somebody, like, you know, maybe this is how, like, a sm- the smaller parish model uh, makes a comeback, you know. <laughs> you know well, just... In some ways it has. We've, uh, yeah. we've had a whole bunch of new people come, and uh, we have a little low-powered FM transmitter okay, uh, that yeah. allows us to have people within a quarter of a mile of the building listen to our service on Sunday morning. Awesome. And uh, I know that we have one, two, three um, neighbors and uh, yesterday we had uh, two cars of people outside of the church who were listening in their car. Oh, yeah. It's well, so now that's fascinating. That's fat. So, so did like did they talk to you at all beforehand, or did they just kind of showed up and, and turned on the radio? Well, I know who they are. We'll okay, that okay, way. okay. Yes, we okay. We, we we're contact with them. In fact, the uh, two families in the community. I I stopped by an hour before the service, and I drop yeah. off the Sunday bulletins. Interesting. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, no, that's uh, that's just interesting because I was thinking about, um, I remember in seminary in, in our history classes talking about the early church, and they had these auditors, as they would call them, um, listeners, who would, who would be outside of the building where the worship was taking place, but it would be like outside, like through a window or something like that, and so they could still hear everything that was going on in the worship, but they wouldn't actually be there physically. Um, and that was kind of how, like, the, the, your first step it was like, okay, well, you want to learn more about this faith? Well, well, we'll let you listen, you know, because after all, faith does come by hearing the message, right? But you know, uh, coming inside, that's that's for everyone who's taking communion, so not not yet. And so, anyways, it just kind of struck me as like, wow, it's like having people like outside listening. That's that's like something mm-hmm. we used to do two thousand years ago. So. Yeah. One of our neighbors uh, told me yesterday morning that uh, she and her husband uh, are not coming into the building because she works at a hospital and she doesn't want to spread anything that she has inside of her to any of us. Yeah, 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 no. So, I mean, so it's for various reasons, but yeah, no, it's, I mean, it's, uh, I I just, I appreciate the perspective that history gives in the church tradition because we just say to ourselves, well, it's not the first time that we've worshipped outdoors, that we've had people 
not in the building and, and worshiping through a window or something like that. I mean, like this is, I mean, hey, we've tried it before and, it, and it's worked and it's God's working through it all. So uh, <laughs> glory be to his name. We uh, we have in this chapter here in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, um, I think a lot of situations that also kind of help give some perspective, I think. Um, you know, one of the judgment, right, in courts. I think these are things that have been coming up a, a lot lately. And, well, I mean, it's just it's just no—it's nothing really new, is it? No. Um, actually, yeah, in order for us to take a look at 1 Corinthians 4, we have to understand what happened in 1 Corinthians 3. Sure. Uh, because, uh, because it's a continuing conversation. As I like to explain to people, St. Paul was not aware that he was writing the third and fourth chapters. That's right. The first, the <laughs> he was just going yeah. on and yeah. on. And uh, he had already talked a little bit about this, and had already talked about Apollos and Paul and, uh, and, and in the uh, chapter before. And uh, basically you get the impression from chapter 3 that uh, there were people within the church, sound familiar, uh, yeah. who uh, were, um, were championing the side of one preacher as opposed to another one. Right. Sounds mm-hmm. a lot like the world in which we live today. Yep, you bet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and so we have this, uh, this going on where, you know, there's, there's, there's division, you've got, you know, people who are playing favorites, and like, oh, mm-hmm. well, this pastor's preaching this Sunday, well, I think I might not come until next Sunday, right? So, I mean, that whole thing, right? Nothing new, nothing that hasn't happened before, nothing unique to even in, in 21st century America, right? Um, right. And so this, uh, yeah, so th- this is interesting then, this this tension and uh, division that exists not even just between these two, but seemingly between these two factions, um, at, le- at least two factions, seems like there's two big ones. Maybe, maybe right. there's more, like we said last time, uh, maybe there's a, a, a small like Cephas faction or a small like, you know, neutral, like, well, we just belong to Christ. We're not getting involved in this faction, right? But they're, they're, mm-hmm. they're split up. And and it's causing all kinds of problems, and one of them seems to be including uh, even even lawsuits between each other. But we'll uh, not spoil that. We'll get into that in a minute here. But before we go any further, brother, would you like to open us up with a word of prayer? Certainly, Lord. We uh, thank you for this time together in your Word. We always thank you for the time in the word in the Word. And once again, we have to learn uh, the lesson about how the scriptures tell us things that continue to be true to us to this very day. Even though the cultural settings were different and the people were different, in many ways, we can learn lessons from those who have preceded us. And that's one of the points you try to make uh, for us to learn when we study your word. For that, we give you uh, honor and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, brother. All right. So here's here's chapter four. Um, anything else you want to say about four before we give it a read through? I mean, we'll, we'll we'll have a chance once we're done reading it through to to go back and look at it verse by verse. And like you were saying, we'll, we'll spend a little bit of time on the first few verses because, as you were saying, that it all links up with the previous. But I mean, any, anything uh, in particular you think you want to call out? Uh, I just wanted to give you another little comment on some other stuff I've been working on. Uh, The scripture readings for Sunday come from uh, Romans and have been since uh, May. Mm -hmm. And uh, I've been doing little emails I send out to everybody every day uh, and have been uh, going through Romans since April. And uh, there's there's a big difference between Romans and 1 Corinthians. (laughs) Well... 
Romans yeah. is like like the ultimate uh, manual on the basics of the Christian faith. You could call it a catechism if you like. It's yeah. almost almost that. First Corinthians. Uh, and I think one of the reasons why Romans is written the way it's written is that St. Paul had not been to that church yet. Yes, so he was yes. basically just giving him the, uh, the the basics. It's obvious he knows the people in, in Corinth. Yep. And, and it's obvious that all the things that are happening are being relayed to him, even if he's not physically present there. Uh, so we have here, especially in the last chapter, but to some extent in this chapter also, uh, what we, I guess, in our day and age would call a tweet. <laughs> yeah. You can, you have to read this chapter uh, understanding that there is probably a tone of voice behind everything yep. that St. Paul's writing. And some of it is sarcastic. So it's yeah, yeah, no, no. It, it, it's, uh, he, he is able to use a, a familiar tone at times because he's familiar with them. And, uh, well, I mean, we'll want to talk about this uh, next time when we look at chapter five. But um, it becomes clear that this is uh, this is not really First Corinthians, right? Just like you were saying, um, this is this is at least Second Corinthians, if <laughs> if well, if not. In Second Corinthians, he talks about uh, he talks another about letter. How regretted writing yeah. this 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 ugly letter, and this is yeah. the ugly letter he's talking about. Yeah, well, yeah, no, that's and that, that's right. I mean, is is this the ugly letter? Or some people have said that maybe maybe this was the nice one, <laughs> and the ugly oh, and the ugly one that. came later. But but there's, I mean, clear, clearly though, there's uh, there's just all these these fingerprints, right? As you were saying, this this developed relationship. They they knew each other. Right? I mean, I mean, they knew each other well enough for there to be a Paul faction in in mm-hmm. Corinth, right? So it it is very different. It's um. Yeah. Paul addressing certain things that they have asked him to weigh in on, stuff that he's familiar with. So, yeah, you're right. It's not like Romans where he doesn't have a relationship with them and he just needs to kind of establish, all right, guys, this is kind of this is kind of my teaching in a box, right, like in Romans, whereas in right. 1 Corinthians he can be much more focused. And even though, as we've been seeing, there's kind of lots of strands here, it is, um, it, it is all in the context of the specific happening so yeah that's uh that's it is very important thank you for right orienting us there it's it's not it's not romans if you if you were hearing romans read yesterday in church is this is a different situation no, this is very different <laughs> yeah. same same writer yes that's right uh, different uh, circumstance because of the relationship he has with the people who to whom he's writing yep exactly all right well let's go ahead then and uh give this a read through so we've got first corinthians chapter four here in the english standard version from the top this is how one should regard us as servants of christ and stewards of the mysteries of god moreover it's required of stewards that they be found faithful but with me it's a very small thing that i should be judged by you or by any human court in fact i don't even judge myself for i'm not aware of anything against myself but i'm not thereby acquitted It is the Lord who judges me. Therefore, do not pronounce judgment before the time, before the Lord comes, who will bring to light the things now hidden in darkness and will disclose the purposes of the heart. Then each one will receive his commendation from God. I've applied all these things to myself and Apollos for your benefit, brothers, that you may learn by us not to go beyond what's written, that none of you may be puffed up in favor of one against another. For... Who sees anything different in you? What do you have that you did not receive? 
If then you received it, why do you boast as if you didn't receive it? Already you have all you want. Already you have become rich. Without us, you become kings. And would that you did reign so that we might share the rule with you. For I think that God has exhibited us apostles as last of all, like men sentenced to death, because we've become a spectacle to the world, to angels and to men. We are fools for Christ's sake. But you are wise in Christ. We are weak, but you are strong. You are held in honor, but we in disrepute. To the present hour, we hunger and thirst. We're poorly dressed and buffeted and homeless, and we labor, working with our own hands. When reviled, we bless. When persecuted, we endure. When slandered, we entreat. We become and are still like the scum of the world, the refuse of all things. I don't write these things to make you ashamed, but to admonish you as my beloved children. For though you have countless guides in Christ, you do not have many fathers. For I became your father in Christ Jesus through the gospel. I urge you then, be imitators of me. That's why I sent you Timothy, my beloved and faithful child in the Lord, to remind you of my ways in Christ, as I teach them everywhere in every church. Some are arrogant, as though I were not coming to you. But I will come to you soon, if the Lord wills, and I will find out that Find out not the talk of these arrogant people, but their power. For the kingdom of God does not consist in talk, but in power. What do you wish? Shall I come to you with a rod? Or with love and a spirit of gentleness? <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, I mean, I appreciate your comments about, like, the, the relationship, right? Because, I mean, this is where I think that the tone is starting to really come through, and, uh, you know, I went ahead and, and, and did the sarcastic tone like you were suggesting because it kind of seems that way. I, I mean, it, it's it's fascinating, you know. I mean, like he has this fatherly relationship and because of that, there's this intimacy where, you, you know, like you, you, you give your, your child a – an angry glare, right? <laughs> uh, when they're, when they're doing the wrong thing or you, you, you joke around with them or you, uh, you know, you, uh, you, you kind of nudge them in the right direction. Right. And it's, you, you use tones and you say things that you, you wouldn't say with people that you just met five minutes ago. And that's, that's coming through pretty clearly here. Yes, absolutely. So, um, so there's, uh, uh there, there's, there's a whole bunch of, um, uh, you know, obviously uh, three chapters before, uh, but there's a whole bunch of um, baggage that's associated with almost everything that's said in this cha- in this chapter. Yeah, yeah, no, that, that's right. Well, and that's that's really important too. And I think that's one of the biggest ways that First Corinthians is is pretty much constantly misread. That we, we kind of read it as if it's like Romans, like you were saying, where it's just kind of this is all not not that Romans was even necessarily like that either, but um, no. we, we read it as just super general, like all this stuff is kind of like just general true stuff. It's oh yeah yeah it's right. I make a good fortune cookie, but like this is all very specific, and like you were saying, it, it refers to these specific instances, and I mean that's gonna get really clear in the next few chapters. It's gonna be like that guy, <laughs> you know. But like that, I mean, even when he doesn't say that, it's uh, that's what we're talking about these specific instances, and so it really it really is interesting how. I mean, I mean, it is very interesting how he's saying, he's saying, look, like, here's this letter, but I'm not just going to write you a letter and just hide, right? I mean, it's almost, you can almost, like, hear it, like, the, his critics saying, oh, Paul, you know, he just, he's all talk, 
right? And no action. Mm -hmm. He just writes his letters. He just, you know, stays at home and writes his letters, you know. But Apollos here, you know, he's been here with us, you know, in person, right? You know, that he has real power. And, and here's Paul uh, saying, guys, I'm, I'm going over there. And you know what? I, I know that I'm not as impressive a preacher as some. But you know what? Uh, yeah, let's put power to the test if you're so interested in power because it's going to be clear when I show up. I mean, there's a lot of confidence in, in, yeah. in this. And, and the way he says, you know what? You have many guides, but not many fathers. I'm your father. I, I mean, th there is a real um, confidence that, 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 I mean, is spoken, I think, from like the perspective of a, of a father here. Well, in the chapter before, when he was talking about um, when he was talking about Paulus, uh, yeah. he he makes the point that uh, that that he was the guy who laid the foundations, and yeah. uh, Apollos built upon what uh, the foundation that he uh, that he uh, that he made, and and I think that's basically part of the confidence that he has. He was there in the beginning. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And um, and he says it's it's it, it's not fair for you to judge one pastor uh, as opposed to another one uh, because each of us have different jobs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that that that's right. And uh, I, I think you're right too. That like there is this this confidence, and he I think he knows he can appeal to it. Um, that that like he was there in the beginning, and. No one can deny this. No, no one can deny, and, and he re references the spirit, um, not infrequently. That you know there was this manifestation of the spirit, whatever exactly it entailed, when he was there that first time, and no one can deny that. No one can can take that away. And so he knows he can appeal to that, and they're going to have to say, yeah, he did lay the foundation. Yeah, he is our father. I mean, uh, later on, that reminds me in chapter nine, he says. Um, you know what? What it, it's very fascinating what he says here. He's like, "Am I not an apostle?" And then he says here, "If to others I am not an apostle, this is verse two of chapter nine. At least I am to you, for you are the seal of my apostleship in the Lord." You know, which is, uh, I mean, I mean that that's quite the statement. But I mean, he's saying here, right, that by his activity, his founding activity, uh, like you were saying in Corinth. I mean, this is this is like the testimony that yeah, this this guy's legit. He really is an apostle, and and we we here in Corinth can't deny it. And if that was not the case, and if he did not have the history, then that would be arrogance. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Well, it'd also be bad letter writing, is because it's not going to be persuasive, right? <laughs> uh, it's not going to be persuasive. They're going to say no. <laughs> That's just right. not true. And and, the, and this letter is not going to do any 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 good. But clearly, you know, because there is a Second Corinthians, um, they, they took the letter seriously, um, and and right. some subsequent ones perhaps. So mm -hmm. let, let's uh, let's go back here to the to the top here at verse one. So it, it starts off with a with a strong, and I try to emphasize this as reading. Um, this mm -hmm. is how. Right. And, um, and it's, it's just some strong pointing language. Um, it, you might call it that. So um, perhaps even contrastive. So this is, this is getting to the, this big overall question of how are they to judge their leaders? Right. Like you were saying in the previous chapter, how are they to judge Paul or Apollos? Um, you know, because he had just said in chapter three, right, um, let no one boast in men. Mm hmm. Yes. So, so right. So, like, help help uh, connect the dots for us here. So, in, in chapter three, you know, he he's talking about how you know some of you guys are you know all all about Paul, some of you all about Apollos. 
But what, what's he say there in the, in the previous chapter, right? Um, and what then is Apollos, what is Paul, servants through whom you right. believed, right? And, and so now he's, he's developing this further. Um, he says, you know, servants again, but he's kind of developing it, right? Um, stewards, right? So, so there, there, there's the, the next step. So it's, the it's, mysteries you, of God, yes. Yeah. So, so how, how, why is he making this, this kind of shift here? Like, you know, he was explaining the previous chapter. It was all about how they're servants and, and kind of co-servants um, in God's uh, vineyard, in God's, in God's uh, building, God's work site, right? Um, but now he's switching language to stewards here. Well, he's trying to do that because uh, he realizes um, that what we learned in uh, chapter 3 is basically the same sort of thing we go through in our country in a presidential election year. Uh, right. The whole idea <laughs> is to be triumphant and to be, to be a winner. Yeah. Uh, and he's saying, you know, we're not, this is not our office to be triumphant and be a winner. Uh, we are here to be able to, to serve. Uh, it would be interesting to see, you know, once again, if he used the word slave in this context. Perhaps he did. Um, yeah. But he's talking about, he's talking about um, um, how people judge us. Mm-hmm. Put mm-hmm. it that way. I got, a little, I got a little page or so from uh, one of my old favorite writers, William Barclay. Oh, yeah. And um, he, talks about, he talks about three things we can learn uh, from these first, first few verses. Let me give you a little digest, okay? Uh-huh. There are three judgments everyone must face. First, we must face the judgment of others. In this case, uh, St. Paul says that uh, that's nothing to him. But there is a sense in which we cannot disregard the judgments of those around us. The odd thing is that in spite of its occasional radical mistakes, the judgment of other people is often right. Hmm. Interesting. Number two, we must face judgments, uh, the judgment we make of ourselves. Once again, uh, Paul disregards that. He knew very well that our judgment of ourselves can be uh, clothed with self-satisfaction by pride and conceit. But in a very real sense, we must all face our own judgment. Uh, and, 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 it, and it talks about how uh, nothing can escape self. Um, if we lose our self-respect, life becomes an intolerable thing. And then finally, we must face the judgment of God. And the last analysis is the only real judgment. God's final judgment is for two reasons. God knows all of our circumstances, and God knows all of our motives. And um, once again, if you, if you take some of this out of context by what he says, if you quote the verses isolated from one another, it sounds, it sounds like uh, he's trying his hardest to be able to disavow that there's anything really wrong with him, but I don't see that at all. I think yeah, he's that's honest about the judgment that he and all of us face before God. Yeah, no, that that's that's well said. I mean, and I was, uh, I mean, I was just, I just saw something like on on the news this morning that it was, you know, there was this other church where, um, you know, it was like in defiance of um, a state law and a court order. Um, that he was like, no, we're going to have, you know, worship indoors, no masks. And I, the, I mean, at least the picture they had on the news, and of course, you know how that is. It's like, is it even a picture of like the same church or something? Right. But, but, uh, you know, it, it, it looked like packed, like no one was making any attempts at being safe at all. Um, and, and so you, you get these, uh, situations, right. Where, 
Um, it was they were showing it was like a protest outside his door, like we want this guy behind bars, closed down the church. Um, then there's like a counter protest that's like, you know, no, he, he's in the right. We all would be doing this. Right. And so you, you get in, in our own day, right. Lots of these instances where people are like, you can't judge me or I'm doing the right thing. Or um, so. So what kind of judgment are we talking about? And I think you're you're so right. Like we can't take this out of context. What kind of judging is he talking about? Um, a little bit, a little bit different, but we want to develop that thought more. We got to take our break. Everybody, hold on. We're looking at 1 Corinthians chapter 4 on Nice Strong Word. We'll be right back. Church Missouri Synod, on behalf of Concordia Plan Services, Lutheran Housing Support Corporation, Concordia University System, Lutheran Church Extension Fund, the LCMS Foundation, and Corporate Synod, daily reaches out to our members and partners, working together to support our local, global, and international ministries, church workers, and LCMS initiatives at large to carry the mission forward and to serve each other in love. Opportunities to serve, lcms.org careers. This week on Issues Etc., we'll continue our series, The Words of Scripture, talking with Pastor Will Whedon about blessed in the New Testament. Dr. Arthur Just will lead us into teaching on Mary, the mother of our Lord, and we'll discuss American voting and the Christian conscience with Dr. Joel Bierman. Issues Etc., live weekday afternoons from 3 to 5 on KFUO. Hi, this is Pastor Mark Azil, the LCMS Director of Campus Ministry and the Chancellor of LCMSU, inviting you to join us right here on Wednesdays at 2 p.m. in the Student Union. If you can't make it, Student Union is always available as a podcast at kfuo.org. Learn more about LCMSU at lcmsu.org. And remember, college is tough. You need Jesus. We'll help. Wednesday afternoon at 2 on KFUO. Welcome back, everybody, to Thy Strong Word. I'm Pastor A.J. Espinosa. We're looking at 1 Corinthians chapter 4, joined today by Pastor Doug Nicely, pastor at Jerusalem Lutheran Church in Collinsville, Illinois. If you're listening live, great opportunity to join the conversation with a question or comment for us here on the text, looking at chapter 4, just talking about judgment, and uh, particularly, though, uh, like Pastor Nicely was saying, really uh, not not just kind of you know judgment and you know laws and kind of this broad sense that we might be thinking about today, but really talking about you know how you evaluate people, mm-hmm. right, and like how you esteem them and what, how they measure up in your eyes, right? Whether you think they're doing a good job or not, right? So those are some those are some very applicable questions to our times as well. Also, so if you have a question for us one eight hundred seven three zero two seven two seven. Or if you're in St. Louis, 314-821-0850. It'll be really ironic if you offer an opinion on how we're doing today. Or you can send an email. I mean, you can. <laughs> it's fine. Yeah. Uh, you can send an email to kfuo at kfuo.org. Or you can hop on the live stream, facebook.com 
slash AJ Espinosa. So, yeah, so, I mean, it's interesting because, you know, he uses the word judge, um, you know, in court, but, you know, clearly um, by, by this language here, like like faithfulness, right, this, this is more like a performance review, I think, the idea with the stewardship, right? It's like, you know, the master calls the steward in every so often. He's like, okay, let me see how you've been doing, right? Have you been making me money, right? You call in your... Uh, your your wealth advisor manager right you're like okay so these are your fees uh you've been earning those fees right what kind of return am i getting right kind of evaluating you know how successful is a pastor is a ministry now those are those are some big questions they are and uh, a little bit later on he uh he he talks a little bit more specifics about that what we would call um a measurement of success uh, but but right now he he kind of goes into a little. You know, remember, I was talking about sarcasm. Well, he's he, he's well, got he's got sarcasm all over the place in verses six to thirteen, all over the place. Yeah, no, that, that that's really, uh, yeah, that, that's that, that's pretty interesting. So when he, when he gets into that, he kind of opens it up right to this question of you know, so am I doing a good job? And, and what's interesting is he uses the word there um, that's translated in the ESV faithful. Now, it's interesting because if you have an old copy of the ESV, um, in 2007 and earlier, it was trustworthy. So mm-hmm. um, p- faithful is probably almost certainly a more accurate uh, translation of pistos uh, in the Greek. But 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 this is this is interesting. Like, how, how do you talk about if a, a pastor or a, or a church leader is, is doing a good job? Okay, well, how faithful they are. And, and so we're going to kind of ask ourselves, like, well, what is, what is that and what does that mean? But like you were saying, he goes into this, uh, this, 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 uh, this thing about well, the sarcasm, and I think the idea with faithfulness is you are faithful to a person, right? A steward is faithful to their master, and so and I'm thinking that that's kind of like why he's he's going this direction with the stewardship thing because it's like if well if he's a steward and it's what's he say there like of, of the mysteries of God, oh, like, God the point yes. then. He has to be faithful to God. He's not beholden to them. He's not beholden to this Apollos clique that like wants every leader to be an elegant, uh, you know, professional rhetorician or speaker. That's mm-hmm. not the point. He needs to be faithful to God, which is then why I think he goes on and says like, "Well, I don't even judge myself." It's it's uh, the point is. I, what, how does a steward give himself as a performance review, right? Like, what, what logic does that make? And, and I think that's kind of why he almost launches into the, I, I think you're right, like kind of this, uh, this, this sarcasm then where, where he goes and he's like, well, uh, yeah, you guys are, you, you go, of course, you get an A+. plus, You get a gold star smiley face and, you know, but I'm just, you know, I mean, it, it's, it's really interesting how he makes that. He's, uh, he's contrasting a, a, a little word picture. St. Paul has a way of doing this. Um, although, once again, he wasn't aware that he was writing chapters and verses. Uh, there yeah. were times when he changes the picture that he's painting. And for yeah. the next few verses, he's, pic- he's uh, painting the picture of something that was very common in the Roman culture, even in, in, in Corinth, uh, called a triumph. Hmm. Whenever, whenever an army won a war, they would go into uh, the major city, uh, Corinth and Athens, that sort of thing, and they would have a parade. And uh, in that parade, the people would stand on either side of the street and cheer for them and that sort of thing. Um, you know, that's 
pretty much what was being done um, on Palm Sunday. Uh, and, and it was a Roman custom that they were following. Uh, and, uh, and, and what they did was they, uh, they were able to drag along with them all the pillaging that they did from their triumphs. And uh, they were able to demonstrate to everybody how powerful and how wonderful they were, not necessarily as individuals, but as soldiers for the state. So that meant that when they won their, um, call it uh, Super Bowl uh, victory, uh, they were they were triumphant for their team and yeah. the people who were on the side of the road or on the team. St. Paul is picturing how he and the apostles are triumphant in a way that is the exact opposite of what the Romans expected when they had their triumph parade. Hmm. Yeah, that's an interesting contrast. And, and of course, yeah, I mean, um, you even have an analog, right, in uh, Palm Sunday, right? Just, I mean, I think it's, there's kind of, I mean, that it's sort of a cross-cultural thing, right? You think of, uh, you know, like you were saying, like you, you win the Super Bowl or, 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 the, or the big soccer cup or whatever it is, right? And it's pretty common to mm-hmm. have like a parade and everyone like turns out like wearing the team colors, right? And it's, you know, the sharing in the victory idea, right? And right. um but but yeah, you know it, it's this it's this weird situation where you would expect if if Paul has done really well, um, and and the Corinthians are all in celebration about how fantastic they are, right? That they're they're celebrating with right Paul, uh, that they're wearing Paul's colors and saying like, hey, yeah, awesome, we're doing well. But yeah, you're right. It's like hang on the qu- a second, the the, qu- the whole thing's backwards. You guys are all celebrating, but you're like wearing like different colors, and I'm over here, you know, uh, doing the walk of shame <laughs> instead yeah, no, of this is, yeah, here yeah, instead of your triumph parade. Yeah, here I am on the here I am on the next street uh, around from the triumph parade, walking around in dejection, and um, and that's okay because as far as I'm concerned, the kingdom of God is all about walking the way I'm walking as a steward of the mysteries of God. And, you know, it sounds like the uh, reading that we read on Palm Sunday uh, from Philippians, that uh, even though he was the son of God, he chose, he chose to be a servant, took the form of a servant, and, uh, and ultimately yeah. died for the sins of the people. Here, St. Paul is doing his version uh, in, the, in the apostolic picture of the same thing. Um, he, he says... Right. Um, uh, because we have become a spectacle of the world to angels and to men, we are fools for Christ's sake, but you are wise right. in Christ. We are well, weak, yeah. you are strong. Yeah, okay, yeah, right. So so then he goes in that direction. So yeah, you're right. There's this there's this kind of juxtaposition. Yeah, you know, and, my... even, even in our Lord's ministry himself, right? He had there right. was uh, you know, Palm Sunday, but then there was like the march up to Golgotha on Friday. Um right. so and that was definitely a very shameful walk that was very different from Palm Sunday. And so, um, yeah, I mean, here he is taking that kind of a walk. And, and, and you're right. So he's going to get into this juxtaposition. But before we before we get um, too deep into that, though, I just wanted to see if we could talk a little bit about verses 6 and 7, how he has—it's fascinating to me. For who sees anything different in you— what do you have that you did not receive? If you then received it, why do you boast as if you didn't receive it? I mean, this this was really fascinating to me as I was like listening over this a few times. Like, I, I feel like he's 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 getting at a few uh, spots here that they seem to have this 
secret knowledge, or they, th- they think it is, or the secret wisdom that they have gotten from Apollos, that Apollos came through and gave them like the advanced teaching, like, oh, wow, his Bible study like opened our eyes. Now we really know Christianity, right? Like Paul was just giving us the boring, you know, six chief parts, 10 commandments, sacraments you know but yeah right but 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 apollos right like oh well and 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 now we now we are real christians right uh real spiritual christians and that that seems to be what's going on and and so when he when he before he gets to the to the the chastisement right he's like now hang on a second you you're all like proud of yourselves but that was just you were given this. I mean, you you didn't have it before. You didn't. You had no clue before, and you're acting like you invented it. Mm-hmm. And that's and that's Greek philosophy coming out. Ultimately, by the time you get to the end of the uh, New Testament, um, this Greek philosophy has been combined together with uh, a little bit of Christian theology, and it'll be called Gnosticism. And the yeah. idea has to do with. Uh, we know something that everybody else doesn't know. And as long as we know something everybody else doesn't know, they can come to church with us and everything, but they're going to hell because they don't know the real truth. Yeah, well, so, yeah, we're right. Oh, no, this is, not the, this is not how it works at all. Yeah, no, that, that's really well said. I mean, like in that... Um, yeah, of course. I mean, there's, you know, in, in Gnostic thought, there were all kinds of versions of what whatever exactly that truth was. Um, and I mean, all kinds of crazy details. But I think that, yeah, essentially, as you're presenting it, it's spot on that, that the fundamental thing that carries on today is this idea that you're, you're saved by being in on this secret, basically. Yeah. Right. Um, like, like, oh, well, you have this. And, and um, what's interesting in Gnosticism is that the the secret is really sup- only supposed to be understood by people who are spiritual, that there's this idea in Gnostic theology that you have this kind of like spark or inner light, and that's what enables you to understand and recognize this truth, this light, when it comes across your path. So if you, if you believe it, or you accept it, or you understand it, it reflects well on you that, oh, hey, look, I am— one of the really smart people. Like I, I'm one of the spiritual people that I, I haven't been endowed with a certain kind of spiritual quality or essence so that I could understand these sorts of things. Right. And so, and so you're, so you're proud of yourself, but, but Paul's point, right. Is, um, so you think you got some kind of like, you know, magic spark inside of you, right? Like, you know, for who sees anything different in you, you, you didn't have anything special before. This is, this was not your idea. You didn't come up with it. This isn't uh, like, oh, your your kind of inner, you know, philosopher has been brought out. This is an idea that someone else gave you. You had nothing before. Like, there, there's no. It doesn't make any sense to be acting like so superior. And just like you're saying, how uh, people in the name of Christianity can do this, where it's like, oh, well, we get it, but everyone else out there is dumb, right? I mean, right. that's just it's just not a Christian spirit. It, at all to act as if like we had something special in ourselves uh, to make us understand the truth, but they, but they don't like they're, they're not smart enough or something like that. That's just not Christian. No, not at all. And, and, and so you can see why he changes the picture of this, of this uh, uh, triumphant uh, parade and yeah. then turns it upside down 
and says, no, what's great has to do with us um, being impoverished. It has to do with hungering and thirsting. Sound a lot like the Beatitudes? Yeah, yeah, sure no, that's right. Yeah, I know, that's, that's well said. And, and uh, well, no, I mean, that, that's just the thing, right? I mean, the, the picture in the Gospels, right? Think of the Magnificat, right? Same idea that, you know, God fills the, the hungry with good things. He, he, the hands of the, the empty hands of the poor are the ones that are lifted up and, and filled. That uh, the the rich are sent away empty-handed, uh, by contrast. And, and so, I mean, so really, and, and from a Christian perspective, you don't want to come and say, "Oh, yeah, well, before God even showed up, I had this special spark, or I had this secret, uh, you know, wisdom that was just that was just a seed inside me, and that, that it was just kind of the." Uh, you know, the thing that germinated it, right? Like, you, you don't want to say that you already had something because that means your hands were full and you couldn't receive the gifts of God. You want to be, you want to recognize that you were empty-handed, that you had nothing to offer because then you can be made truly rich with the things that are truly spiritual from God. Yes. And, uh, and it's important for us to understand that that's the basic foundation of the faith that we, we have in Jesus. It has everything to do with what God does for us, and nothing we do— uh, Nothing to do with I, what I we do for God or something like that. Or what we do for God. I could even push it saying nothing, nothing we do to accept God. Yeah. Uh, he, he, even, he even makes it possible for us to make that decision. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, it's just the, the metaphors he was using, right? Like he was talking about cultivating a field, right, or building a building, right? Right. The, the building doesn't say like, hey, guys, I'd like to be built now. You know, <laughs> like the seed doesn't say, I'm going to get you to plant me. You know, I mean, it's just, it's a, no, I mean, it's, 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 it's God from start to finish. So, so then, yeah, so then getting on to what you were saying here in, in verse 9 and following then, it's interesting how, you know, he's like, you know, okay, so God has, you know, seem, it, se- it seems like, and this is, this is interesting how he uses the seems language. He uses this in a few places. Uh, yeah. Seems like, you know, God's made, you know, us apostles, you know, the, the very last, you know, like men sentenced to death. Mm-hmm. Um, this, is, this is very interesting um, to me that, that he's uh, put God actually here as the agent, right? Like, I mean, you, you almost would have expected, like, Seems like you guys are counting the apostles as the worst of all, right? You know, and you guys are so much better. Uh, but he actually says God, right? So what, what, is, what do you think he's saying that and not the other way? Well, once again, this has to do with, uh, with God's kingdom. Yeah. And, um, and, and great things happen in God's kingdom, not from the top down, but from the bottom up. Yeah. And he's making, he's making allusions to that. He's saying, we're fools. Uh, we're weak. Uh, we're in disrepute. We're disrepute. Uh, we're hunger. We're hungry. We're thirsty. We're poor. We're buffeted and homeless. We labor. Uh, we're reviled. Uh, we're persecuted. Uh, we're slandered. Um, we're the scum of the world. Um, and, and and what he's trying to say is that that sounds just awful to people who consider this to be a decent uh, uh, the, the opposite of a decent way of living. He said, but actually, that's what the kingdom is because when you are in that role, you are being a steward of all the gifts God's given to you, not just for the elite. Yeah, well, yeah, no, that, that that's right. So if you're a steward of God, right, if you're working with, um, you're working under God with it, with your fellow co-workers uh, who belong to God, mm-hmm. then 
you you do what he gives you to do and not like you were saying cherry cherry picking your assignments and like picking only the glamorous things right and, you know right. It, it goes back to when he said like you know i i didn't come to baptize i came to preach the gospel right um and not to denigrate baptism but just to say it's not like i came like and i'm only going to do the things that are like good pr moves right I'm going to do like all the baptisms and, and the weddings and kiss all the babies. Right. And, and, and like, just kind of pick all like the, the most glamorous aspects of this. Right. So I can really, um, uh, self aggrandize. Right. No, I mean, he, he's like, you were saying he's just doing all of it. Cause he's just a steward. And, and that means like you were saying, yeah, then, uh, because God sends us to, to serve in these very humble ways, then yeah, we, we don't get all the prestige then because, you know, God says, you know what? Yeah, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not in it for, for, uh, just vain glory here. Um, I actually want to help people. And that means getting your hands dirty and looking foolish from people's, uh, from the perspective of a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And he can even call this, uh, he, he even call this a, a, a parade of triumph. Mm-hmm. The exact yeah. opposite of what the culture that he, he was uh, writing to believes. He says, this is the parade of triumph. This is the yeah. thing that causes the kingdom of God to come on earth as it is in heaven. And as Luther right. says in the, uh, in the catechism, it comes even without our prayers. But we pray that it can come to us. That, that's right. So, so, I mean, this is, uh, right, God's going to make this happen one way or another, but he, he's, doing, he's, you know, deigned to do it through them. And, and, and so as such... It, it seems like you know he's making a spectacle of these people. I mean, it, I mean, it is it is interesting to think about um, what's written about Paul in Acts, right? And, and God says to uh, the prophet, right? He's like Paul, uh, something like, um, "I will show him how much he is going to suffer for my name." Suffer. Mm-hmm. Right, right, like, 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 like that's on that's on God's lips. Like, here's this proud man, right? This you know, Paul of Tarsus thinks he's all that, right? Um, I, I'm going to show him how much he has to do for me, um, and and what it's going to cost him. You know, which which sounds like I, I don't know, it could, it could be like I don't know, bitter or resentful. Like God's like, well, you saw these mean things about me, but just wait till I show you. But but rather the point being, um, you know, he's going to show him true riches, um, in the kingdom of God, like you were saying, and that's going to involve looking a lot like Jesus Christ, who did not appear to be very glorious when he was there on Friday. Yeah, uh, and and what he's trying to do is he's trying to say that um, even though he is their father, which is in the next paragraph, I realize, uh, St. Paul Paul always was aware of who he was. Um, He he understood himself as being uh, the least of all the apostles because he persecuted uh, the church itself. And he always remembered that's that's the person he was. Yeah, and, uh, and and in some ways, he understands what it's like to be arrogant because he himself had been arrogant as a Pharisee. Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. No, that, that's right. I mean, he 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 knows all about the game of, you know, working really really hard and and picking the things that are gonna you know advance you the most and make you look good. And he used to play that game, right? And he used to be yes, really good at it. He used to mm-hmm. be really good at it too. Um, <laughs> But then he, but then he threw it all away. I mean, it, it is fascinating when you think about Paul. You know, like this is a guy who, you know, you, you think to yourself, he was right on track to, you know, you know, tenure track at a prestigious university and have you know massive funding and 
you know, his, his papers would be published and, you know, in the, in the finest journals, right? Like that kind of thing. Right. But then he's like, eh, no, I'm just going to go and do, do this stuff off in the corner of the world, doing missionary work and be relatively obscure. And, you know, that's, and that's, uh, I mean, in that way, he looks a lot like Jesus Christ who, who shows up, um, as the rightful King of the world. And he says, I'm just going to go ahead and help out poor people and people who are, uh, you know, the scum of the world, and I'm going to end up crucified like one of them, you know, I mean, it's just, and throw it all away. And so that's, that's fascinating because I mean, that, that, that is, that is heavy, right? I mean, that's when he, when he says all this, when he says all this, like, you know, Hey, th- this is what I'm doing. This is what we're doing. And meanwhile, you guys think that you're all that now because Apollos uh, taught you some things, right? Like it, it's interesting how he backs off the pedal, <laughs> eases off the pedal a little bit in, in verse 14 like that. And he says like, I'm not actually trying to make you ashamed but to admonish you, right? Like that's that's right. uh, it's such a relief when you read that verse. <laughs> yes, and it's it's helpful to have that verse there. <laughs> yeah, because because what he's trying to say is that you know I'm I'm trying my hardest to be able to have you understand what the good news of Jesus is really all about, as opposed to what you think. Now. Um, part of this, as we had mentioned in the beginning of the hour, has to do with how we understand our calling as uh, as, as as ministers, in, in your case and mine. Yeah, and it's yeah. Important, it's important to learn the lessons we learned from this from this chapter. Uh, the church, for a long time, has had a hierarchical way of uh, looking at things, just like the culture around us, and um, we need to address that too. Um, those of us who, those of us who are ordained, need to see ourselves as servants. This is an important chapter to teach those of us who have positions of quote authority in the church that all we really have is a position of servanthood. Yeah, it is. It is paradoxical, right? Because you know, on the one hand, he he is saying right that you know he he is low, he is weak, you know, he is scum of the earth, right? On the other hand, like he does appeal to his authority, and he says, "You know, I'm your, I'm your father." <laughs> I mean, that's what he says, right? Yeah, I, I, and and that means that you know, like you really need to listen to me. Like I, I do have a real authority. So there, there is this, there is this, um, this paradox. I, I think you're getting to it in the church, where well, there is hierarchy, but it's it's like. It, like you were saying, the authority though comes from the bottom up, and so it's like the leaders go lower than the people that they serve. Um, but that's where the authority comes from, right? Because it doesn't come from themselves; it comes from God. So there, there's there's a real paradox, and it's very hard, right? It just goes against our nature. We we just want to have our leaders be, uh, I don't know, just like you know, shiny and perfect and flawless and uh, impressive and attractive. Like that's what we want. We want we want celebrity leaders, right? Um, we want triumph parade leaders. We don't want, um, you know, ugly, disfigured, um, had nothing in him that we would esteem him. No beauty. We don't want that kind of leader. But that's the kind of leader that we get in the cross of Christ. Uh, and 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 it's once again very helpful when Saint Paul uh, changes his his picture his word picture and he starts talking about fathers. Yeah. Um, any of us who knows fatherhood, yeah. uh, or in my case, grandparenthood, <laughs> um, yeah. knows that uh, that a parent or a grandparent is not all all about somebody having people do what it is that we want them to do. Right. 
we have to be there for one another yeah. in, in those circumstances and family. And that's, that's the reason why we exist. Yeah. And it is, uh, like, I think you're like, you're getting to, you think about it, you know, think of, think about parenthood. It, it isn't necessarily glamorous, <laughs> you know, just no. you think of all the things you do for your kids and all the things you get on yourself because of your kids and, and everything that that entails the way that you just, yeah, you humbly serve your kids. I mean, it is, um, it, it is a very good word picture. Like you were saying that, it shows, yeah, there's authority, but it, it's not it's not attention seeking. It's not trying to like go after prestige and acclaim here. It's it's willing to yeah get get down low and be really you know get dirty and um to to be to be silly to look ugly to to not be impressive because that's what it means. But yet there's the authority, right? Be imitators of of me. I mean, he is very confident. Yeah, he puts me in, ahead of it. Like that's the word of emphasis yeah. of me, not not some of these other people. So there, there is a real and powerful authority, though, in the midst of it. Yes. But it's, it's more a parental authority. Yeah. Yeah. Which is why we call God our Father. Well, well right. And, and it's uh, also like why we call, well, you know, I mean, in the, uh, you know, in the, in the broader Christian tradition, why in many cases pastors are sometimes called uh, Father, or they're given that title. Uh, right. I, mean, I mean, it's the same idea here that, like, they seem to have called um, Paul on a certain level, father, um, even right. That there is this kind of, uh, you know, not, not like a hierarchical lording it over thing, but, but this acknowledgement, like, like he was saying that they're saved by grace and that grace is something they were given and God used somebody, a mere servant, but he did use them. And it's so, it's so interesting to hear the last words in this paragraph. It says, what do yeah. you wish? Shall I come to you with a rod or with love and the spirit of gentleness? That's Anybody right. who knows parenting knows what he's saying. That's right. You don't want to do that, right? But it's, it, no. it's, but it's all about the love that you have. You'll do whatever it is that they need. And that's, I mean, that, that's what Christ is, that he does right. whatever it is that we needed and more than that. Thanks be to God. Thank you, brother. Really good having another well, conversation with you. Glad to hear that things are going well. God bless you guys. Thank you. Everybody, that's Pastor Doug Nice at Jerusalem in Collinsville, Illinois. We are moving on to Chapter 5. Till then, I'm Pastor A.G. Espinosa. Peace. Word. Produced by the Lutheran Church, Missouri Senate Office of National Mission in cooperation with Worldwide KFUO, the official broadcast ministry of the LCMS. Your support is vital for this program to continue. You can make a gift safe, secure, and easily online at kfuo.org. Thank you for listening and supporting Thy Strong Word.